turn with me in your Bibles to, to Psalm, chapter, uh, Psalm 34, rather, Psalm 34. If you uh, find yourself one evening this week um, at a loss, then Google Shane and Shane, uh, who actually uh, sing uh, this psalm. Uh, you may not be aware of Shane and Shane. They're, they're Christian young guys, and they're very talented. And, and I remember hearing them sing this a couple of years ago, and it just resonated. I think we're in lockdown and uh, listened to, to a lot of preaching uh, on YouTube, and I listened to a lot of uh, songs, Christian songs and uh, hymns being sung, and uh, this resonated with me. So that's one of the reasons why we're having a look at Psalm uh, 34 this evening. Uh, David writes this uh, psalm. Uh, this is um, considering his uh, circumstance when he feigned madness before Abimelech, and then he ran and took shelter in the cave, and I'm sure you're aware of that account. We have no control over our circumstances. Uh, we have no control over what takes place. But as believers, uh, we are thankful that we have a God who is sovereign. We've been thinking of the Queen, and we've been thinking of her 70 years on the throne, and yet she's just a figurehead. She doesn't really have any real authority and power. She's just there. But our God has power and authority. And he surveys and he, he watches over all things. And, and so he superintends all circumstances, whether good or bad. Um, of, often we, we read in scripture of things that take place. I remember um, reading as a young boy of, of the story of Joseph and in saying to his brothers that you meant it uh, for evil, but God meant it for good. And we see something of the sovereignty of God, and we're thankful for his providence. But we have no, we have no control over circumstances. And yet, how do we respond uh, to the highs and lows and the, the difficulties of life, as well as uh, the, the joys and the blessings that often we enjoy here? And so David, um, during this, this time when he, he is on the run, he says this in these opening three verses. He, he makes a decision. I wonder how or what you decide uh, when you're up against uh, things. He says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul makes boast, makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name uh, together. He makes a decision here um, that um, it's not founded on his circumstance. He, he's not deciding to, to magnify and exalt and worship the Lord because perhaps when you're going through difficulties, you don't really feel much like doing that. But um, he's recognizing the constancy, the unchangeableness of God. And so he's recognizing that, that, that God um, is in control of all things. And so just because he's going through times of difficulty, uh, when, when he's being tested, when perhaps, um, when perhaps uh, he looks at the circumstances of life and all the circumstances that he finds himself in, uh, um, he, he could be forgiven in, in thinking, my goodness, 
I, I'm really up against it, um, so I'm just going to cry to God for, for help. But here he decides to magnify, to bless, to praise, and to worship the living God. I suppose, and you need your imagination here, particularly uh, uh, for us living uh, in Wales, imagine with me, uh, um, it's, it's a hot summer's day. Do you know what one of those is? Yeah. Hot summer's day, and, and the sky is, is blue. Uh, you hear the birds singing sweetly in the trees, and you feel the warmth of the sunshine. You, you, you feel the intensity of, of the sun's rays upon, upon your skin, and particularly if you've got a hairstyle like mine, you, 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 you perhaps feel it all the more. Um, and, um, and you think, wow, isn't God good? And you might meet someone. And isn't it true, isn't it, that when we have weather like that, everyone, even, uh, even the unbelievers, they, they seem to be more positive. They seem to have a, a spring in their step. And you might say, oh, how are you doing? And they say, oh, what a great day. And everyone's full of beans. And everyone's full of life and positivity. But then you can have a few days later and it can be gloomy, more like a, a typical Welsh summer and uh, Skies are darkened and they're black with, with dark clouds. And you're there with a bundle of washing. You're looking, you're thinking, shall I, shan't I? You're making that, I know particularly for you ladies, it's this big decision. Shall I chance it? Shall I risk it? You know, and, uh, and, and, and then for Viv, she'll say to me, what do you think? Well, I have no idea, love. I mean, <laughs> you know, you know, what do you think I am, Derek? You know, <laughs> but I have no idea. But... Um, and then you meet someone and they say, oh, you know, dark clouds and, and then it's not so warm. And uh, everyone feels a little bit downcast. And yet the reality is, what's changed? What's, what's changed the circumstance? Well, something has come to obscure your view of the sun. S-U-N. The clouds have come in. And those dark clouds have gathered, and the sun is still there. The sun hasn't changed, still there. And so often in circumstances of life, things can happen that obscure, or they try to obscure our view of the sun, S-O-N, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's still there. Still seated on the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for his people. He's still there, pleading, praying, interceding. He's still there. And yet, things like the, like the clouds and the storms of life can come in. And trouble can perhaps um, change or cloud or mar our, our view of who he is. Well, the scriptures tell us that our God um, is faithful. He's unchanging uh, in, in, in every aspect of who he is. And uh, we, need to, we need to understand who he is and who we are. And David has come to that point when he understands who God is and who he is. And so he is able to, to sing these words, he's able to pen these words, I will bless the Lord. Continually, no matter what the circumstances, I, I, I can and will. He makes a decision, I will bless the Lord. Uh, and my soul makes its boast in him. 
and I will magnify the Lord. Let us exalt his name together. And then we see something. He goes on a journey. And uh, if we're Christians, we're all on a journey tonight. We might describe our journey as a, as a spiritual walk. We might describe our, our journey with the Lord as, uh, as, uh, as a spiritual journey. But he says this, I sought the Lord, verse 4, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. And those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his Troubles, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Do you see that? He knew the Lord. And yet, just because we know the Lord, just because we are his tonight, uh, we're not immune from the trials and the tribulations and the sorrows and the strifes and the sufferings that, that, we, that we endure and we face because we live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful environment. Uh, we, 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 we still live within these condemned houses. And yet the wonder of it is that the Spirit of God has come and made his heart, uh, sorry, made um, our hearts his home. And so tonight it is possible that whatever's going on, with all the stresses and the strains, with all the things that crowd in, and perhaps the, all those burdens and those worries and those anxious thoughts that cr cram in and crowd in, it is possible as Christians to have a, a, a view of the Lord, to know him, to say, Lord, I know all this is happening, but you've not changed. I'm still precious to you. So precious that, that you sent your only begotten son to die for me. And uh, the Lord Jesus Christ came to die for the sins of his people. And, and, and to, so that's how precious we are. And with all that's going on, we can say, yes, Lord, uh, um, but I know. But I know that, that you, you survey, you oversee, you care, and uh, you rule and you reign. I know. And so to know him is everything. But to seek him, you need to know him don't you? Yeah, I sought the Lord and he heard me. Of course, you might say, well, well how is it then that um, people become Christians? Don't they seek the Lord? Well, what happens is God's at work in their hearts because by nature we are, we are dead uh, in our transgressions and sins. And, and so we, we, have, we have no ability to, to respond to the gospel call. We have no ability uh, um, to, or, or desire to, to seek God. Why? Because we're dead. But God graciously imparts life. And God graciously, by his spirit, enables the sinner who, when they hear the gospel, the Holy Spirit grants understanding and insight. And all of a sudden, wow. I remember I was 12 when I became a Christian. And, uh, and I, re I remember thinking, I don't know what's happened to Pastor Jones all of a sudden. Amazing. All of a sudden, everything he's saying on a Sunday seems to make sense. He's been preaching gobbledygook for the last so many years. What had happened? God, graciously, by his spirit, had, had granted life and insight and understanding. I'm 12, but I'm beginning to grasp spiritual reality. What's spiritual reality? That I'm a sinner. I mean, I haven't gone to... I hadn't mugged an old lady or done anything bad like that, but I'm a sinner. 
that every part of my life is dominated and affected by sin. I'm dead. And by nature, I knew that, that I'm a rebel, that I oppose God, that I'm rebelling against his word and his ways. And all of a sudden, I, I begin to understand these things. And then he graciously shows me, but there is a way. There is a way that I can know and enjoy forgiveness. He graciously shows me through his word and through the preaching of his word that there is someone who loved me so much with an everlasting love that he laid down his life and he bore my, he bore my sin in his body on the tree and God the Father poured out his anger upon Jesus and yet Jesus was without sin. The sinless Son of God died in my place. He was condemned. Why? Because he was bearing and wearing my sin. And all of a sudden I'm thinking, wow, this Lord Jesus went to the cross for me. And so this poor young man cried to the Lord. And he heard me. And I'm sure... Uh, that's a testimony, not just of someone who has come to, to salvation, but it's a testimony of us as we walk with him. You see, when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. That he, he calls us to a life of submission. We submit to him, to his word, and to his will, and to his ways. He, he calls us to live a life for his glory. All of a sudden, I realize why I'm here. Do you know why you're here? That God has a plan and a purpose for my little life. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. Isn't that wonderful? That he created us, he designed us, he made us in order that we might know him. That's a bold, that's a bold statement, to know the living God. Last weekend, I was up in Hay-on-Wye. Uh, as my role with the EMW, we were out there um, and reaching out, helping the local church to reach out uh, with the gospel. We did some open-air work, and uh, we had uh, all sorts of conversations with some incredible people. I mean, that there, some of them were, had written books, some of them were in the process of writing books, others were reading books, and uh, you had all the great and the good of the literary world, literally all descending on hey on why. And there's little old me saying, do you know the purpose of your life? You know, people are quite happy to talk about God. Even people... And even those, perhaps, who might claim to be uh, atheistic or atheists, happy to listen to someone tell them or, or talk to them about God. But do you know what polarizes people? It's when you introduce the Lord Jesus Christ. There's something about his name. You know, where I am in, in Newport, uh, in our area, it's called Pill. And uh, it's, a, it's a community of about 7,000 people. And 47% of our immediate community are Muslim. And you think, well, that's great, isn't it? And they're happy to talk to you about God all day long. But as soon as you introduce the name of Jesus, it does something within the heart of men and women and boys and girls. Polarizes. There are those who are saying, tell me more about this Jesus. I've got some... Young girls, they, they belong to um, 
some Indian families who live near the church. And, uh, and they run over when they see us pull up in our car. And they'll often say, tell us more about Jesus. Now, by nature, naturally, that doesn't happen, isn't it? What does that tell me? It tells me that the Spirit of God is doing something, is arousing interest because my, by nature, there's no interest because spiritually we're dead. Of course, it polarizes people because whilst you have these little girls saying, tell us more about Jesus, you've got their older brothers saying, do you want to know? Polarizes even within families and within, within communities. And maybe it polarizes within your family. Oh, come and let's bless the Lord. Let's praise him continually. Even though the darkness descends, even though the storms of life are raging, let's bless the Lord. Let's exalt and magnify his name together. I sought the Lord. He heard me and answered me. And the Lord himself encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Look at verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. This God is to be, not only, not only to be known and to be sought, but, okay, this God is to be experienced and to be enjoyed. Now, I had an interesting upbringing. I haven't really mentioned this before to anyone. So, uh, this, is, this is fresh, fresh off, the, uh, off, the, off the plate, as it were, tonight. But I had an interesting upbringing because I'm the youngest of three boys and our parents only ever fed us food that they liked. Which was an interesting upbringing. So when I was about 15, I, start, I started discovering other food existed. Things like carrots that are supposed to be supposedly good for your eyes. Uh, my friends in school when we were doing O-levels or like GCSEs saying, well, what do you mean you've just discovered carrots? Well, I said, I said, we never had them at home. So I said to my mother one day, I said, why, why do you ever feed us carrots? A bit neglectful, isn't it, as a mother? Oh, I can't stand carrots, she said. Never had fish. I said, well, you have any fish. My dad said, I hate fish. So they only, only fed us the food that they enjoyed. So I started experimenting with food. And I thought, well, okay, carrots, take them, we leave them. But I found food that I've never tasted before. And some of it was, as you can see, was very nice. It was very good. And when you taste and experience something that's really good, what happens? You know, you can tell me. You want more. And that's what David's saying here. Despite the circumstances, he's not allowing his circumstances to, to cloud his view of his God. He's experienced God, this God. He's, he knows this God. And he wants to know more of him. And he wants to experience more of him in the days of darkness. In, in, in the days when, when things aren't going so well. As well as those mountaintop experiences. He wants to know more of God. Taste and see. Experience the goodness of God. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. When I was driving up this morning, I was listening to an expert on the radio. He was, a, he was an expert on sleep. And I thought to myself, I, I'm an expert in putting people to sleep. <laughs> if, if you're an insomniac tonight, just listen to some of my sermons and you'll soon go to sleep. But he's an expert in sleep. 
And so the, the broadcaster, the radio presenter, said to him, well, tell me now, t tell our listeners, what conditions or, or what, under what circumstances can someone enjoy a good night's sleep? And immediately he said, that's easy to answer. He'd been studying sleep patterns and sleep for 40 years. So he knew a little bit about sleep, okay? And he said this, he said, when someone is contented, when someone feels contented within themselves, they will sleep well. Blessed is the man who finds contentment. Blessed is the man who finds safety. Blessed is the man who finds refuge in the Lord. That's why David said, didn't he, elsewhere, let's pluck a, a Psalm 23, he says, the Lord's my shepherd. And because the Lord's his shepherd, he is content. I shall not be in want. I remember I'd been a Christian a couple of years. I was 14. And I had my first little blip as a Christian. So, I, you know, it wasn't massive. But for me, it was a blip. I just felt awful, felt I'd let the Lord down. And I couldn't sleep. And this went on for a few nights. And then I rang my friend Tim. He's a minister, actually, down in Bournemouth today. And Tim was my best friend growing up, and uh, he, he, was, he was a Christian before me. So he was my go-to man. He seemed to know a bit more about these things than I did. So I said, Tim, I said, I'm not sleeping. Oh, he said, what's the matter? So I, I told him about my blip. And he went, oh, right. He said, well, I've never had a blip like that. See? Well, we're 14, aren't we? <laughs> not exactly men of the world, are we? He said, well, and he said, um, have you told the Lord... I said, why would I do that? I said, he knows everything. I don't need to tell him. He knows about my blip. He knows I can't sleep. I said, but have you told him? Have you told him? Are you weak and heavy burdened? Tell it to Jesus. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Why? Because we fail to carry everything to the Lord in prayer. And so here, we need to understand that with the Lord, we will lack no good thing. And yet, if our peace has been um, interrupted or disrupted, there's often because maybe that we've, we've grieved the Spirit of God who lives in us. And so that peace now has been upset, destroyed. And so the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, shows us that in those moments, through that little blip, and through our sinfulness, what happened? The link of fellowship with him is broken. I'm still his, and he's still mine, but in that moment, our fellowship is broken. And so, we need to confess. And if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
And, and so David then says, come, O children, look at verse 11. Listen to me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. It's, it's important that we keep our tongues from evil and our lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Pentecost today, isn't it? Pentecost Sunday. So <laughs> I was preaching in Aberdeer this afternoon and, uh, and so we had all the hymns, um, all modern hymns they were, about the Holy Spirit. Uh, and uh, it was lovely to be reminded of that. But we do need, as Christians, we do need to be careful that we have a sensitivity to the Spirit of God. And so we need to make time as we, as, we, as we come to God's word regularly, daily, as we come to the throne of grace in prayer regularly and daily, we need to make time so that we can digest and absorb all that we read, that we're not just rushing into God's presence, rushing into the throne, throne room of God and throne room of heaven and saying, bah, 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 bah. that's me done, bye-bye. That's, that's duty and not worship. And what God wants from us as his children, those who believe and trust in him, he, he wants us to know more of him. He wants to develop within us and between us this, this relationship of intimacy that we become close to him. As we draw near to him, he will then in turn draw near to us. And we then we start to understand and we become more sensitive to the spirit of God. And sometimes we're troubled because that's the spirit of God saying, oh, hang on a minute. And so, so we, we, become, we, be, we become more aware, listening to the promptings and the probings of the Spirit of God who lives in us. Only he can bring real peace. The peace of God that transcends all understanding. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Seek peace. Pursue it. And then, and we haven't got time to, to go through verse by verse, but he says this, from verses 15 to the end of this psalm, he says this, never forget that God watches over you. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. The face of the Lord is against those uh, who do evil. But when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. It reminds me of a little story I read years ago about a little boy, and he's out in the garden, right, and he's got this amazing sandpit. Have you got a sandpit at home? Have you? Great. If not, get that on the, on the case. Amazing sandpit. And in the middle of this sandpit is this big, this big rock, right, this big stone, we'll call it a rock. And this boy there, he's... he's Thinking now, I don't want this rock in the middle of my sandpit. So he gets his plastic spade and he starts digging around and to sort of loosen the sand. And then he tries to push and to pull. And he struggles. And he's not shifting this rock. It's just stuck in the middle of his sandpit. 
And I don't know, after about an hour, he's just given up. He goes inside and he's not in a very good mood. And he, and he goes into the house, he slams the door. And his father is standing there saying, everything all right? You know, parents got this knack of doing that, haven't they? So, clearly everything isn't right. Everything all right? As he slams the door. And he says, no, he said. I spent an hour trying to shift that rock from my sandpit. I've tried everything. Can't budget. And his father said, well, I know. Well, how do you know? He said, I've been watching you. I've been standing in the living room, looking through the window, watching you. And his son said, well, why didn't you come to help? And his father said, you didn't ask. The Lord watches. He watches over the righteous. But he listens and he helps and he responds and he delivers to those who call to him. And he delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. You know, I find that reassuring. There are, there are times when I feel crushed. As a Christian, there are times when I feel crushed. There are times I feel deflated. There are times I feel completely useless. There are times when I feel a failure. There are times I feel I've let my wife and children down, and, and sometimes my grandchildren. There are times when I feel I've let the church down. And there are times I feel I've let the Lord down. And those feelings are very real. I feel crushed in my spirit. Feeling crushed tonight? Cry to the Lord. He heals. He delivers. He restores. Many of the afflictions, many of the circumstances and the afflictions of the righteous, verse 19, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He, he's not promising here that he'll remove us from, from the difficulties of life. But what he's promising is that if he leaves us in the difficulties of life, that he'll be with us in it. So he, he sustains us by his grace. He helps, he encourages he restores. He ultimately protects. Why? Because he will, he will guard your soul. That Jesus, through his death on the cross and through his resurrection, has been able to restore. Look at verse 22. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. It's an echo, isn't it? Really, it reminds, when I read that verse, it reminds me of, of Romans 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. And so we've seen here tonight that David made a decision. He was going to praise the Lord. That David was on this journey and he was seeking the Lord. I sought the Lord. That he experienced the goodness of God. And then he, he came as a teacher and gave advice, verses 11 to 14, saying, listen to me, that I may teach you the fear of the Lord. Do good. Seek peace. Pursue it. And then David's awareness that God is watching. God wants to help. He wants to deliver. He wants to restore. 
and the Lord redeems the life of his servants. Do you know, um, the queen, when she acceded to the throne, she was in Kenya. And uh, she was crowned queen 18 months later on the 2nd of June, 1953, at Westminster Abbey. But the end of 1952 was her first Christmas broadcast. And this is what she said. Pray for me that God may give me wisdom and strength to carry out the solemn promises I shall be making. She's thinking now in terms of her coronation. That I may faithfully serve him and you all the days of my life. Pray for me that God may give me wisdom and strength to carry out the solemn promises I shall be making. That I may faithfully serve him and you all the days of my life. And as we celebrate the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, and you've done that as a church as well as a community, we can give thanks to God for her faithful service. But let's remember that she, like us, will one day bow the knee to the one who is the King of Kings. May that prayer that our Queen offered all those years ago, may that be our prayer tonight in the light of this psalm, that God may grant us wisdom, that he might grant us strength to carry out his will, that we may faithfully serve him all the days of our lives. I will bless the Lord at all times. I sought the Lord. He answered me. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. The Lord watches over the righteous and he redeems the life of his servants. May this psalm, may his word resonate in our hearts tonight and may it sustain us through the coming week and through the coming days that lie ahead. To God be all the glory.